It has been a while since I have spoke in any systematic way on the Bible doctrine of sanctification, which is a phenomenally important doctrine in Christian living. As a matter of fact, it is the scope of Christian living. I spoke initially on this subject back in 1996. Uh, we started, we, or, the church was organized in the fall of 1995, and uh, shortly after, in the early stages of the church, uh, I taught through our Articles of Faith. And, uh, and during that series, through the Articles of Faith, as a brand new baby church, trying to get a foundational understanding of, of, the, of the, the doctrinal foundation of the church, we looked for a number of weeks at the doctrine of sanctification, looked at it from a lot of different perspectives. That was in 1996. Five years later, in the year 2001, I then uh, again turned to the subject of sanctification and uh, preached uh, on a number of weeks on the doctrine of sanctification back in 2001. That has been 18 years ago. Can you believe that? It's been eight. Am I doing my math right? It's been 18 years uh, since uh, since 2001. The last time we systematically looked at the subject of the doctrine of sanctification. So for some Sunday nights, uh, we're going to revisit this phenomenal doctrine in the Bible, what the Bible teaches about sanctification. And this evening, I'm going to just kind of introduce the subject of sanctification. You see on the little worksheet you received, sanctification, what does it mean? And I want to introduce the word and the doctrine of sanctification tonight. And then in the weeks to come, we're going to explore some passages in the Bible where the Bible tells us how this process works. How is it that God sanctifies people? And uh, we're going to be looking at the, the, the doctrine, the process, the results uh, for a number on a, in a number of Sunday evening services. If you came to this church after 2001, if you came to the church in the last 18 years, you've probably never heard me speak in any definitive way on the doctrine of sanctification, although it is the essence of our Christian experience, as we'll see from God's Word this evening, the doctrine of sanctification is is intricately related to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. He is the agent of sanctification. He's the one who sanctifies. He's the one who is at work in our lives continually sanctifying us. So oftentimes the doctrine of sanctification is studied in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see some profound overlap as we spend some Sunday nights on the doctrine of sanctification, that will lead us into a study of some important aspects of the person and work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. Uh, the little handout that you received has the opening paragraph dedicated to the person of the Holy Spirit and his role in our life. And just kind of as a uh, as a introductory uh, way, we recognize that when we got saved. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. We call that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You see three little bullet points at the bottom of that paragraph. The indwelling has to do with the residency in our bodies. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of our bodies to take up personal residence within us. He's the other comforter that Jesus talked about 
in the upper room the evening before his arrest and crucifixion later in the day. And he talked about the fact that he was leaving and they needed God present with them. And since he was leaving, he was sending another comforter. And the Holy Spirit came and took up residence inside the bodies of believers historically at that time. And uh, from that time on, uh, the New Testament uh, teaches us that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside the body of every person when they get saved. So indwelling has to do with the residency. There's another teaching in the Bible about the Holy Spirit that is called the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the word filling, the English word, can, can cause us to kind of get the idea, like when your car runs out of gas and you pull into the gas station and you fill up the car with gas. There's a, there's a container that's empty, and so you have to put a commodity into the container to fill it up. That's not what the filling of the Holy Spirit is about at all. Uh, I'll never have any more of the Holy Spirit than I have right now. He lives inside of me. I have all of him that I'll ever have. However, he doesn't always have all of me. And that's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is all about. It's about control. It's about the Holy Spirit having control of my heart, having control of my mind, having control of my life. That's what the word translated fill means. When something fills your mind or fills your, your emotions or fills your thinking, it's not a commodity that fills up an emptiness. It is a person that has sway, a person that occupies and has control over one's heart, emotions, or mind. And so the infilling of the Holy Spirit has to do with Him having control over me to use me, to empower me. To use me for the purpose of his work. I'm his vessel and he takes control of me and uses me powerfully to do his work if I am filled with the Spirit. If the Spirit of God has control of my life. And then the word sanctification comes into play. And the word sanctification, the third little point there, the word sanctification has to do with holiness. Our God is a holy God. Whatever that means... I'm supposed to become like that. Old Testament, many, many times, the book of Leviticus, New Testament, quoting the book of Leviticus, tells us, be ye holy even as... Yeah. Sanctification has to do with me becoming like God. He's a holy God. When I become holy, I'm sanctified. Sanctification has to do with the holiness of my life, how I relate to Jesus Christ in character, behavior, likes, dislikes, the amount of Christ-likeness that is present in my life is the degree to which I am sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So he comes to live inside of me, that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and once that happens, it'll never happen again, and I'll never get any more. I mean, he's there. The infilling has to do with him having control of me, having sway in my life, him having more of me to be able to use me to, to do his bidding. Sanctification has to do with holiness, the degree to which I 
am like God. And so we're going to be studying this thing of sanctification. I ask you to turn over to Colossians uh, chapter number 1. Colossians chapter 1 points out a major problem uh, that has to be solved in the person's, in any person's life who's going to end up in heaven. Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 says, And you that were sometime... He's writing to a group of people who used to be alienated and enemies of God. People who were aliens, that is, they didn't belong. They weren't from God in the sense of, 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 of coming from his personality, his character, his nature. They're, they're, they're different from God. They're aliens from God. They're enemies. And I want you to notice Colossians 1.21. Notice where our enemy nature Reveals itself. Give me the first word. Where does the my enemy relationship to God reveal itself? In my mind. Enemies in your mind. The way I think. What I believe. What is important to me in my thinking. That's where the enemy nature of an unsaved person who's the enemy of God, reveals itself in their mind. And notice what it's associated with. Closely related to something else. What is it? What? Works. By wicked works. Alien enemies. Aliens and enemies of God in your mind by wicked works. Notice the correlation between the way I think and the way I live. What I think and what I do. Notice the powerful correlation. We find that so many times in the New Testament where the Bible speaks of our, of our, of our actions following our minds. Jesus Christ talked about how that it's out of the heart of man comes and then he would give a list of sinful behaviors. Where do those behaviors come from? Where do those actions come from? They come out of the heart, out of the mind, out of the thinking, out of the heart of man. And so we are the we were the enemies of God, yet now hath he reconciled. We're no longer enemies. We're the enemy we're, we're we've signed a peace treaty. We're reconciled. Uh, that was accomplished in the body of his flesh through death, Jesus died on the cross for the purpose of to, to, to present you, what's the next word? To present you how? Holy. That's the word sanctified. The word sanctify or sanctified or sanctification all come from the same original language word as the word holy or holiness. And so when we talk about being holy, we're talking about being sanctified and vice versa. They're the same word. They mean the same thing. The word holy or sanctified means that I have been set apart from what I was to something that is very different from what I was. I'm set apart. I'm set apart from being the enemy of God to being the friend of God. I'm sanctified or set apart. To become the friend of God. I'm reconciled with God. I'm set apart from a mind of wickedness. I'm set apart to a mind of purity. I'm set apart from the works of wickedness 
to the works of purity. Okay, that's all holiness. That's all sanctification. That's what it, the doctrine of sanctification is all about. It's about me becoming less like the world and more like God. The development of holiness in my life or the development of sanctification, being sanctified. So the idea of holiness is the idea of separation, to be separated from what I was, to be separated from sin, to be separated from that which dominates a sinful world, to become more and more like the God of a heavenly world. And so I love not the things that are of the world, in the world, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But I begin to love God and the things that are all about God. That's sanctification. That's a separation from what was to what will be. I'm separated from a world that's the enemy of God. And I'm separated unto my eternal reality. I will forever live in a relationship with God in which he is supreme. It's now. And it will be for the next millions and millions and millions of years, forever. I will live in a wonderful relationship to a holy God. Sanctification is moving me out of what I was into what I will be for all of eternity. And so this is the great doctrine of sanctification. Now, go ahead and, and give us that next slide, if you would, please. Thank you for finding that. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to introduce you, and in your notes you'll see this introduced as a one, two, and three. Three stages of God's solution to our sin problem. And uh, these are often called, and I want you to notice the word holiness in each of these. Justification is the declaration of holiness. Sanctification is the process of holiness. Glorification is the completion of holiness. You can just leave that on the screen now for a little while. That These are three stages of God's solution to the problem of sin in a life, in a person's life. Uh, we're going to call them. We're going to call them uh, using the word sanctification because we're going to look at some verses where the word sanctification or holiness is used of each of these. Justification is something that happens at a point in time. It's a declaration that I am now separated unto God. It happened at a moment in time, and it's a fixed position. We would call that past sanctification, and that's what number one is. Past or instantaneous sanctification. The moment that God took me and separated me and fixed me in his family. An instantaneous act of God declaring me to be justified. I am now set apart to God. That's past or instantaneous holiness in my life. Separation unto God. Think about it like the, the picture on the top of your little sermon worksheet. Think about it like a, a potter and a potter's work uh, with, the, with the clay and, and the potter's wheel. Think about God and what God does in the life of an individual. Past sanctification or instantaneous sanctification or what would be on this uh, chart on the screen, our justification, was an act in our past where the potter reached over and got a hunk of clay. It is not formed. It has got very little value. It, it, it's got everything that is raw, rough material. But he chooses to take that and he plops it on the middle of his potter's wheel. And it has been separated for the use 
of what the potter is going to make out of that piece of clay. That's past sanctification. That's what happened in my life 50-some years ago as a 14-year-old teenager. When I got on my knees and I asked Jesus to save me, God took that old lump, that, that not old, that 14-year-old young uh, uh, hunk of raw material, he plopped it right on his potter's wheel, and he said, I have separated this raw material unto myself. You are saved. You are sanctified for my use, an instantaneous Moment in time when he declared me to be his. The declaration of holiness. Now, I want you to look just a couple of uh, real quick verses here. Turn over to 1 Corinthians uh, and uh, look with me at some terminology here, some words. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are, what's the word? Sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. Now, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you realize very quickly that these saints didn't live saintly. These these people were saints, but they didn't live saintly lives. They were raw material. They still had a lot of rough edges. There was still a lot of work that the potter needed to do on that hunk of clay sitting in the middle of his potter's wheel. But it had been set apart for him to make something beautiful out of it. It is sanctified to his use. You have been sanctified. You are called to be saints. Sanctified ones. And then the book of 1 Corinthians tries to help them grow into what God declared to be true. Positionally in their lives. And so they're in the position of being saints. Sanctified, holy ones. Look in uh, chapter 6 and verse number 11. Just a couple pages over. Chapter 6, verse number 11. He's talking, he's, he's talking of these church members who had been some really rough characters. Verses 9 and 10 kind of chronicle some of their rough behavior. And verse number 11 says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified. I want you to notice he didn't say you are becoming sanctified. You are gradually becoming more and more like God. He said, you are sanctified. God washed you and you are sanctified. Remember how when Jesus was with Peter and he said, Peter, you need to wash my feet. And Peter says, no way am I going to wash your feet, Jesus. And there's a play on words on the word wash. One word wash means to take a bath and bathe the entire body. One word wash means to just bathe an extremity like wash your hands or wash your feet. It had two different words in the original language for wash. Jesus Christ uh, said, I want to wash your feet. And, uh, and Peter says, no way. And Jesus, Jesus told him, you have been washed. He used the word for the entire washing of his body. But you need to have your feet washed. You have been saved. And at the point of your salvation, God washed you from the penalty of sin, past, present, and future. You are eternally saved. You are sanctified. But there was still a lot of work that needed to be done in those people's lives. They weren't living holy 
lives in all regards. And so we're looking at the difference between I have been saved and I am being saved. So if you flip over to the other side, there's a couple of other references to the Holy Spirit being the agent in this work of sanctification. Uh, we're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So just look at the verse 11 again. The Bible says you're sanctified by, uh, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit. Notice the Spirit of God is the agent that sanctifies us. And there's some other references there uh, that you can look up and you can see that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work of setting you apart for God's use, sanctifying you in the, uh, in the uh, uh, position of being a holy one, a sanctified one, a separated one unto God. So, the Corinthians were saints. That's their past sanctification. But they're still not living fully sanctified lives. And so that brings us to number two. Number two, on the back of your little sheet there, there's a second level of sanctification. It's represented on this chart by the word sanctification or the process of holiness. Sometimes this is called present sanctification. Past sanctification is an act that happens at a moment in time. For me, it was 50-some years ago uh, on a particular Sunday night at a particular place, a building that was occupied by Bethlehem Baptist Church, and I got on my knees on the front row on this side of the auditorium, and I was saved. I've never been any more saved or less saved for 50-some years. I was fully, totally saved that day. But that was only the beginning. Present sanctification is a progressive, bringing my life into correlation with my status. It is the process by which the Holy Spirit makes me in my life match what God declared to be true of my life. Think of it on the potter's wheel. The potter grabbed a hunk of clay and he plopped it on the middle of his potter's wheel. And he says, you are sanctified. You have been set apart for my use. Positionally, you are positioned right here in the middle of my potter's wheel. Now's where the real work begins. Now the potter gets his hands wet. And the potter starts the motor. And that hunk of clay begins to spin. And that potter, with skill of a craftsman, begins to work on that unformed lump of clay. And the clay has to yield to the pressure of the hands of the potter. And as the clay softens and becomes pliable... And yields to the pressure of the hands of the potter, the clay changes shape. It begins to take on form. After a while, you can see that the potter has in his mind what he wants the vessel to become. What is he trying to produce? What is he trying to develop? He has in his heart and mind what he wants that particular lump of clay to look like when he's done. It's going to be unique. It won't be like 
the one he made yesterday. He's got in his mind whether he wants this to be a bowl, or whether he wants this to be a vase, or whether he wants this to be a pitcher, whether he wants this to be a mug. He's got in his mind a design, a purpose. What he, the design he has relates to the purpose. He knows what he wants to do with this particular vessel. He knows where in the world he wants to use this vessel, how he wants to use this vessel, to accomplish what that he's going to purpose to accomplish through this vessel. And so he molds it according to his design for its in use. And he molds it and he shapes it and he keeps his hands wet because the clay cannot dry out. The clay must yield to the pressure of the potter's hand. If the clay becomes stubborn, if the clay says, that's not what I want to do. If the clay says, but I've got my plans. If the clay says, I've got a better thing. And the clay doesn't yield to the pressure of the potter's hand. Then the clay becomes unusable for the purpose that the potter has in his mind for that particular piece of clay. Ultimately, if, if, the, if the clay is resistant enough to the plan and purpose of the potter, it becomes what Paul talked about when he talked about his fear that after he had preached to others, he might become a castaway, a, a vessel that was just cast away from the potter. I, I can't use you to do what I plan to use you for. And so I just throw you aside. You're unusable in the plan that I had. The work of the potter on the wheel, shaping and molding and designing an exquisite, beautiful vessel, is the work of present sanctification. The Holy Spirit is still the agent. He's the one that is doing the work, applying the pressure, bringing situations into life, molding that person's thinking, molding their lifestyle, molding who they are and what they're like so that they can fulfill the design that the potter has. We call this progressive because it doesn't end. It's continual. We're on the potter's wheel until we close our eyes in death. This is a lifetime of molding. It's a lifetime of the potter shaping me for a purpose in life that he has designed. This sanctification is not complete. It's never completed in this life. Unlike past sanctification, where, where it, it happened in, in a moment in time, salvation is a moment. It's like the birth a person is born and you've got a date, you've got a time, you've got a birth certificate that says they were born at 7.05 p.m. on such and such a day. A birth occurred. When you got born again, you got a birth certificate. There's a date, there's a time, there's a place. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was talking about this idea of salvation not being a process that you grow into being saved, but rather it's an event that occurs in your life. He spoke on from uh, the book of Acts on the Philippian jailer, and Charles Haddon Spurgeon made the comment, I, I read it probably 30 years ago and I've never forgotten it, he said that when, when at sunrise, 
He said, at the sunrise of a day, there are foreshadowings that sun is going to rise. As gradually, the darkness of the night sky gives way to the light of a new day. And as much as there are gradual things that begin to happen to transition from night to day, he said there is a split second in which the rim of the sun breaks the plane of the horizon and you say, day rise, daylight, uh, sunrise, (laughs) day rise, that didn't sound right, Uh, clip that out, sunrise, sunrise, and it's a split second, and he used that to illustrate how that In a person's life, there's a split second at which they get saved. It's an event that happens in a person's life. That's past sanctification. An event that occurs at a moment in time. But that introduces, that just puts the clay on the potter's wheel. Now the work begins that will never end. That's why we call it progressive sanctification. It's a process that doesn't end. Now, just for the sake of time, I'm not going to turn to all of these. Just get to turn to one of them. Second uh, Corinthians 3.18. Second um, Corinthians 3.18, because that brings the Holy Spirit in. And each of these references I gave you, if, if you were to study these and study this thing of sanctification, you would uh, notice that they are... The, the word holiness, the word sanctification, it's not speaking of it as if it were something that is completed or that is fully, has fully happened. But rather, you'll notice that it is happening. We would say, I am being saved. I have been saved. I was saved. I was saved 50-some years ago. And beginning that day, continuing through today, I am being saved. Progressively, God is sanctifying my life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18, the Bible describes it. doesn't use the word sanctify, but speaks of the, uh, of the uh, work of sanctification. Verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now, get the picture. The picture, a glass, is a mirror. And so, the Bible is saying... That, I, that I'm beholding in the mirror the glory of God. So as I look in the mirror of the Word of God, you know what I see? I see the glory of God. And as I see the glory, all the glorious aspects of my God, all His perfections, all His character traits, all His nuances, I look in the Bible and I see God on every page and I learn something else about God. But something happens while I'm looking in the mirror. I'm changed. Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image. This is the work of progressive sanctification. This is why we say you need to read your Bible every day. You need to read and study your Bible. Why? Because when you read the Bible, you're, you're looking into a mirror and what you see is the perfections and glories of your God. And as you see your God in your Bible reading, you are changed into the same image. That's sanctification. That's becoming holy like he is holy. Becoming honest like he is honest. Becoming hardworking like he is hardworking. I see his attributes and I'm changed into that. That's sanctification. Making me like God. 
And it happens progressively throughout my life for the rest of my life. J.M. Pendleton described the fruits of progressive sanctification this way. He said, you can, you can, you can tell that the Spirit of God... And by the way, um, that verse that we just read... Verse 18 says, at the end of the verse, from glory to glory, in other words, from episode to episode to episode, never ends. There's always another chapter. There's always a next chapter. You never get to the end of the book. You're continually being changed to his image, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So see, the agent of progressive sanctification is the same Holy Spirit that was the agent of past sanctification. As the Holy Spirit separated you and put you on the middle of the potter's wheel, it's the Holy Spirit that begins to mold and shape and develop your life. He's the agent in changing you into the image of the glory of God. J.M. Pendleton says, when that's happening in your life, you change. You change. He said, in his experience, he had observed these changes. I develop a deep sense of unworthiness. The more like God I become, the more I realize how unworthy I am of such a God. The more the contrast into what I was and what I've become shows how unworthy I was to have what I have become. An increasing hatred of sin. I hate things that I didn't used to have any convictions against. I used to be able to do X, Y, Z and never, never felt a twinge of my conscience. Never felt bad about it. But as I become more like God, my hatred for sin increases. By the way, if you can watch something in entertainment today and not feel any guilt about it, and you used to feel guilt about it, you're going in the wrong direction. There should be things you won't watch today that five years ago it didn't bother you at all to watch it, but you can't watch it now. That's the work of progressive sanctification. If you never experienced that, if you never stopped doing some things that you used to be able to do without feeling convicted, then you have to question... Am I yielding to the pressure of the potter's hands? Is he progressing in the molding of my life? Or am I stagnant, unyielding to the pressure of his hands? A growing interest in Christian duties. I find myself wanting to do more and more for Christ. And an increasing love of heavenly things. I just look more and more and more to being out of this wicked, sinful world. And being in the presence of my Jesus. These are what Jane Pendleton observed were the characteristics of a person who is becoming more like God. They are going from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God, and becoming more like what they see in the mirror when they read and study their Bibles. Okay? Past sanctification is when God declared me to be holy, plopped me in the middle of his potter's wheel. Progressive sanctification is God working in my life in a process of making me holy so that I live out something that is reflective of what God declared when he chose me and put me on the potter's wheel. The, the clay on the potter's wheel 
begins to take the shape of what the potter had in mind when he declared it to be his for his purposes. And that brings us to a final uh, sanctification. We would call it future sanctification or sometimes called glorification. That's the completion of holiness. Let me get you to just turn to one place. It's my favorite place. It's 1 John 3, one of my favorite all-time passages of Scripture. And it talks about this completion, this final sanctification when I am finally, completely sanctified. I was sanctified 50-some years ago. That was past sanctification. For 50-some years, the Holy Spirit has had me on the potter's wheel working me and working me and working me. And as I have yielded to Him, He has molded me to become what He wanted me to be all along. The day will come when He will finish that work. And He will turn off the motor and wash His hands. And the vessel will be complete. We call that future sanctification. In 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2, the Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I am the son of God. I'll never be any more of a son or any less of a son. I am now the son of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. I'm not what I'm going to end up as. I'll never be any more the son of God, but I will be more like the God of whom I am his son. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But I'll tell you one thing I know. But we know that when he shall appear, notice this, we shall be like him. That's sanctification. I become just like my Jesus. For we shall see him as he is. Now notice the key. It's so powerful. When you look into the mirror of the Word of God, what do you see? What do you see when you look into the mirror of the Word of God? I behold the glory of God. As I behold the glory of God, something happens. I change. And I become like the God that I see in the Bible. And this is a progressive thing that happens every time I read the Bible, every time I study the Bible, every time I listen to the Word of God, I'm continually changing and becoming more like the God I see in the mirror of the Word of God. But the Bible tells us that, that, that we, we kind of look into the mirror darkly. Remember? First Corinthians, we look in the mirror darkly. The mirrors back then were just polished, polished pieces of metal, not like these glass mirrors with... Uh, high uh, reflective silver backing and boy you can look in that mirror and you can see every little wart every blemish you can see perfectly that's not the kind of mirrors they had back then they, they had a, a mirror that was just a polished piece of metal so you had to kind of get the light on it right and you, you that's the way it is when you read your bible now the Bible says we, we look into a glass darkly, but the day will come when we will see, remember what the passage says in 1 Corinthians, we will see face to face. Right now, the best we can do is look into the mirror of the Word of God, and I don't understand everything I read. 
And I struggle to learn more from the Word of God because, because of my limitations, my ability to read and understand, the level to which I am yielded to the Spirit of God and His instruction. So I look and I read, but I'm limited as to how much of God I can see. I'm looking into a mirror darkly. But the day will come when I will see face to face and I will know God like I've never known Him before. I will see Him in all of His perfections and glory. And in an instantaneous moment in time, I will become just like Jesus. That's future, final sanctification. When God does all the wrap-up work of making me the beautiful vessel. And then you know what the potter does with his finished product. He takes the finished product off from the potter's wheel. And he begins to use it to bring glory to his master skills, his artistry. He uses it for the purpose he designed, which shows what an amazing God that he is. That's future and final sanctification. We call it oftentimes glorification because it's the final work of sanctification. So sanctification is a big word, but all it means is becoming more like God. That happened positionally the day I got saved, and he put me on the center of his potter's wheel. It has been happening for 50-some years as he molds me day by day by day. It will be completed the day I step into his presence, and the work of my sanctification will be complete, and the Holy Spirit's work will be done. The wonder of sanctification. Show me this last slide. This next slide is an end. Here's the Christian life then. We're born in sin, and then we come to the point of conversion. The point of conversion is our justification or our past sanctification. Then our life is a progress of up and downs. The jagged edge of up and down and up and down. I get more like Christ, and then I have some, tough, some, some difficult times. Stop reading my Bible. He's not as, I'm not as close to him as I used to be. And then I get revived and up and down. But the trajectory is always upward because the Holy Spirit is making me more like Christ and more like Christ and more like Christ. And the trajectory is that I am becoming holy. And one day when I meet him, the work will be completed and it will all be done. We're going to be focusing then on that big jagged line in the middle. How does that happen? I've given you a broad picture on some future Sunday nights, we'll look at some things about that progressive sanctification that is the essence of how we live our lives as Christians between now and the rapture or now in the grave, whichever comes first.